Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm Carol Stewart, known as the coach for high achieving introverted women and an executive career coach and speaker, trainer, author. And I coach introverted women who are senior leaders to lead with influence and impact. My guest on the podcast today is Alexandra Bond Burnett. And Alexandra is a speaking and impact coach for finance professionals. Armed with both industry and practice experience, including founding her own accounting practice and professional acting training, Alexandra delivers a potent mix for any finance professional wanting to expand their presence and impact. She's a certified DISC practitioner and she uses a combination of performance, psychology, and storytelling to elevate soft skills in finance with refreshing candor, humour and vibrancy. Welcome to the show, um, Alexandra. Thanks for having me, Carol. Right, it's great to hear an interesting background, um, the performance and the finance, because they are very different, aren't they? Yes, sometimes it's um, it feels quite strange because it's not something that you often get. But actually, you'll find that a lot of people have um, quite a creative or or sometimes sometimes that performance background or they love singing or something like that. And actually, it brings a lot to the table when you work in a technical field. Um, but yes, I, I started out my career in finance. I, I worked in corporate finance um, and worked my way up as I left school. And it was only just a bit later in my um, towards my mid twenties that uh, it was actually a car crash. I, I kind of had a car crash, and oh, I kind of I had a car crash, and I and and I just felt um, I had this moment after having traveled down a road on ice and um, having another car smacked my car back up because I'd gone on the side and it landed. And there's this moment of peace and, and quiet. And I, I kind of just went, I'm not really doing what I want to do with my life. And that's, that's how I ended up um, deciding to make some changes. And, uh, and I went to drama school. Oh wow! Okay, so so before we get into the conversation, the discussion, tell tell us what about what you do. Sure. So um, you were beautifully introduced me as a as a as an impact coach and speaking coach. So essentially, what I do is work with that element of mindset, but also speaking skills. So actually, a lot of what I do is helping people have that confidence. And then adding in that that skills and technique to really help them with their voice. Um, voice is actually very technical. There's so much uh, we don't use in terms of our our pitch, our pace, our pause. We we almost have this inbuilt musical instrument in our in the way we communicate that we don't expand to really really make an an impact when we talk or to influence when we really need to be effective in our role. Um, so I help people with their body language and facial expression. In a, in a sense, it's a type of performance, but it's very much authentic. It's very much finding that confidence to be you and use your voice in a natural way that really just amplifies what you're trying to say. 
and, and I think that's a great way of how you've described it the um about the voice about the pitch the the pace and and the pause because it is it is like a performance and it's it's when you think about it but a lot of people don't necessarily realize that do they that um when, when we're speaking when we're communicating that that is is what we're doing no and that's the thing when you go into I mean whether it's a boardroom or a zoom room it's still a space where people are together and they are there to communicate and to connect and to influence and affect one another and very much like um, performance on the whole. My, my, when I actually initially studied, I did two years of, um, of acting training. And then I actually went on to do a further degree in how we impact and influence each other as human beings and really studying what happens not in a performance setting, but outside of that space. What is communication? How do we, how do we feel? What is empathy? What is happening? on that emotional level. And it's always really interesting to see how we are affected by others and what public speaking really means. Because, I mean, essentially, just like now, we're listening on a podcast. We could be reading this, we could be watching it, but just listening with our voice, it tells us so much about each other as human beings. And and it, as we talk, Carol, you will be listening to how I speak and the pitch of how I speak and and not just what I'm saying but how I'm making you feel about it as well so there's so much that goes on in that sense and and when you're when you're in at work and you are there as a professional designed to be really effective you know in your role and you have um you have an expertise that you lend um, uh, or when you're managing or guiding people, leading people, whether it's in, a, uh, in an activity or an idea or uh, with data, you really have to use that influence effectively and use your voice. It doesn't mean you're loud and it doesn't mean you're um, a big personality on stage. You can be massively effective just being who you are. And I'm so glad that you said that, that you don't have to be loud and you don't have to be a big personality. Because as you know, this podcast is for introverted women who are senior leaders, who, who are not typically loud or big personalities, but they, they do have a presence and they need to have that presence in the boardroom, in meetings. Um, and that is often something that a lot of my clients, when they first come to coaching, struggle with, is having that presence in the boardroom without having to be something that they're not. And I know one of the areas that you specialize in is introverted uh, finance um, professionals. So, so what made you specialize in introverted finance professionals? <laughs> I, I think because on a level, I kind of am one. <laughs> Welcome to the club. <laughs> uh, that's, you know what, it's really funny because a lot of people will meet me or see me speaking on stage or, um, or at conferences or things like that. And they think I'm this big extrovert. And, and I would say I'm more of an ambivert. So I really do, I flip between um, 
having getting that energy and excitement from being in front of people but equally I really need my my downtime my quiet time I can feel really drained so if I can do a um like a full day training day uh that that moment that we well pre pre pandemic um where it'd be so you know sat in the car or on the train was kind of blissful just having that uh, quiet <laughs> downtime but for me it was um it was basically because i am uh my personality profile personally is that i am a bit of a mixture so i'm a high high eye which is influential um and outgoing but equally i'm very analytical and quite and and process driven so i like things to be in the, <laughs> in the right order and the the finance industry and the finance profession uh from accounting to to in-house in industry is going through a ginormous change in terms of the skill sets. So whereas um, if you said accountant or finance uh, or financial services, people used to think of a very analytical person who's, uh, and especially when you say accountant, you know, sitting that, that um, caricature of someone in a gray suit sat typing on a calculator. Um, and it's, it's, first of all, completely not true. But there is something to the fact that you will have a very analytical, like me, that analytical and precision-based personality. And that does sit on the reserved spectrum. Now, you could also, again, like me, be uh, slightly more influential or even a a D, which is quite dominant. You're very results-driven, very focused. But what's happened in finance... Is that, is that with AI and with data and automated processes, so it gets very technical, and I'll try, <laughs> very technical, all of the changes that have happened in terms of software have actually taken a lot of the manual day-to-day uh, tasks off, off the plate of, of the, if you think of a role um, in terms of the accountancy role or finance manager role. And that what's left is and what's mostly valuable is that we are now asking people who are very uh, task focused to be more engaging and interactive in terms of having very strategic stakeholder relationships, partnering within the entire organization, um, being more influential and telling more stories with the data so that people can make decisions and you're talking to more non-financed people. And that really has thrown out of whack the, this kind of skill set because it's not those more influential skills in certain terms of speaking and presenting um, and, 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 and as you say, being visible. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not been something that's been focused on when the role has been nurtured as a skill not the people, but the actual skills. So it's not in the training. So suddenly people are finding, and especially introverts who it's, they've been very happy in their roles. And now they've suddenly being asked to be more out there, more open, more verbal. Um, It's, it's going against the grain slightly. So um, I started out my accountancy practice uh, nearly seven years ago. Um, which I'm, I'm now a more silent partner in. And 
it certainly was something that helped me, my speaking skills, my ability to connect and interact in terms of having a strong, fast growth in the early years. And so I really saw how my training had benefited my influence in, in helping my clients understand what, what their finances need and also in cloud adoption in um, well, all types of change management as well. Yeah, and and I, I guess, uh, and I guess it's it's not just the sort of accounting and, and that profession where we're seeing that sort of change. I think we're seeing it in a lot of different um, professions as well, whereby what has sort of as you described, what has sort of typically been somebody in a more analytical role has now got to be at the forefront and has got to be engaging and presenting and having a presence. Um, and introverts typically don't necessarily like that being in the spotlight. No, it it goes it um, the energy. <laughs> it's it's such a drain on energy, isn't it? And and that I mean, that's where a lot of a lot of people think it's they don't like being uh, introverts don't like being out there and don't uh, like almost so don't like people. It's not that. It's that it's just draining Mm. it takes a lot of energy um but equally it's about um the fact that sometimes you just need to it's how you're perceived so that's what we think about in terms of executive presence although you do not need to be this loud voice or Mm. a huge character um the the most powerful people um and it can but well the most powerful people can be the the most the quietest but they do have that presence to really let people know what they're thinking when they're thinking it. Whereas there are so many powers to an introvert in terms of active listening and being there in in terms of emotionally intelligent, but sometimes you've just got to really let people know what's going on inside your head. Yeah. And and so how do you go about, you've got somebody who is, introverted and their preference is to to not be in the limelight and they're now first into the limelight where they've got to be presenting they've got to be speaking and they want to have that executive presence how do you go about helping them supporting them to be able to do that confidently Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> it's a good question. Do you know, funnily enough, I'd say there's there's an anchor point, um, especially for introverts, that that is the main is the starting off point, like the leaping off point to helping feel just get to a place where you feel comfortable mm-hmm. and that you really want to dive in. So, um, so clients of mine when they're learning presentation skills or speaking skills, they it's more the drive that they are there to help people. So a lot of the time when you experience anxiety or fear um, or just discomfort with putting yourself out there, and bear in mind that public speaking fear is one of the top five fears (laughs) there is in the world. Apparently uh, there was a a survey uh, years ago that was done in the States where more people are terrified of public speaking than dying. Um, (laughs) When I I saw that, that people fear um public speaking more than dying wow yeah it was um jerry seinfeld the comedian had a hilarious uh, a really funny joke where he said basically 
when he read that, that, you know, more people would rather be um, in the coffin at a funeral rather than speaking at the eulogy. <laughs> and, <laughs> which it sounds bonkers, but the, the reason why is that when you are speaking, um, and especially when you are um, fairly precision based and uh, in intro introverted and introspective, um, what have what people think and putting yourself out there it matters it really matters because now if in the finance sector as I said usually you get people who are very precise of, of a personality nature and that means perfectionism matters a lot getting things right being an authority being correct in a way having things in the right order so there's a huge fear because it's so unknown um, of putting yourself out there. And, and, you know, really it's an exposure when you're public speaking, you are standing there and people can judge you. So, so, so when people have this fear of public speaking um, and as, as you've, sort of, you've said, it's, it's some people fear it worse than death. How, when you're, you, you you're performing how do you manage that it's first of all really adjusting your focus um so this is something i call uh, positioning so for imagine <laughs> when you just all to picture a bow and arrow um and this is what i do with presentations if you imagine an archer who's aiming at a target. So you can see the bullseye, you can see the target with the circles in the middle and that round so, uh, circle in the middle of that target point. And in that target point, I want you to think about the audience. Um, so I say audience, so it'd be your stakeholders. Who are you communicating with and why? Now your target is where you want them to land. What are you trying to get them to achieve? The if you focus on that target, it carries you through and it overcomes everything else because being that element of, of focus driven, um, it, it means you put aside what's going on with you and that's what's happening. So public speaking fear or anxiety or nerves or discomfort, um, it's happening there because you are so exposed as a person and you're standing up there for everyone to see for everyone to judge you potentially criticize you and if you are on that reserved side um from from the purpose this is why I do disc uh personality reports is because it gives people an insight about what they need when they communicate so if you are um on the introverted or uh, reserved side then actually fear of criticism is high up on that list. And it, we, we don't like to be, I mean, who does like to be criticized? <laughs> but you don't, it, it really can be almost like a biggest fear is being, um, putting yourself out there and open to negativity. Um, I know even with me, I still have that fear. And um, I'd, I'd performed for years, and, and I used to perform as a child, I come from a very creative uh, background of actors and writers and singers. Um, so it was very strange for me actually to go into finance. <laughs> I'm a bit of the black sheep. Um, but what happens, it, um, a few years ago, I did my first TEDx talk 
And I remember feeling fear like I've never felt it before. And, and I've sang on big stages. I've been in the round uh, open air theater that I used to do. Um, and I can step and take charge. But when it was not a script, when it was not a character that I was conveying, it was just me. <laughs> and it was my thoughts and my story. Uh, it was terrifying. I was shaking and, and I was sweating and it was horrible. Um, and, and I'd had a lot of coffees as well, so it also didn't help. <laughs> but <laughs> I suddenly was really aware of, I was thinking, why? I am so well practiced in this. What's going on with me? And I had to do some reflection. And it is just that fear that we are open, we're exposing our true selves when we speak and our thoughts and it might not be right, but there are, the brilliant thing is once you're aware of that, have that self-awareness, then you can really start to add in those techniques. So it's a bit like having your, your work persona, like you do have a persona when you go to work and you don't show your colleagues the same person that you'll show when you're at home <laughs> with your kids and your husband or your partner and uh, uh, or to when you're talking to the the postie or to uh, going to the shop you know you have all these different sides to you it's still you still authentic but you suddenly realize that you can adjust it but if I go back to this this target mm -hmm. um when you that's what I call the positioning. So if you're looking at the target and what you really want your stakeholders to, to leave with, what value are you imparting? How do you want them to, to feel? Where do you want to direct them? Then you can position yourself, your body language, your, um, your ability to speak up and a bit stronger or put your voice into your chest. Uh, and that's so that's often a more grounded voice. If you put your hand on your chest and you speak and you try to get your your voice coming out of your chest rather than uh, from the front of your mouth, where it can be really, you know, you can change the sounds mm. accordingly. So I call that positioning. You position yourself. And that's all in service of making sure that your stakeholder or your audience is getting the value that you want to give them. So when you place that focus, when you become the mentor for them, it becomes all about them and not about you. And then it makes you feel so amazingly confident and, and grounded and you get that ability to speak. And I think that that is uh, so crucial that you, you say having that target because when, when you take your focus off that and you start thinking about, oh, I'm not going to get through this, or, um, you know, thinking and, and, and ruminating over things, then that then brings on that anxiety, which then affects the way that you perform. And yeah. it's, it's about just, like you said, just focusing on the target. And, and I, I remember when I did my TEDx talk last, last year, um, and because when you're doing a TEDx talk, you have to you have to sort of remember it's sort of like word for word. And as I was doing the talk, I was in flow, and then all of a sudden, it was as if my mind went blank whilst I was speaking. And 
And I could feel myself, I was going to start thinking, oh my gosh, I can't remember what I was supposed to be saying next. But I didn't. I just focused, I just switched my thinking away from that to focus on getting through the talk and delivering this message and then carried on speaking. But if I hadn't had that awareness that you've talked about, I would have probably thought, oh my gosh, I can't remember what I'm going to say next. And then that would have caused me to feel anxious. And then I would have probably started uh, blustering what I wanted to say. And at the end, nobody even noticed. That's the thing. Um, <laughs> so if you're if you're a performer on stage, uh, there's there's a common saying: um, people only know if you mess up if you tell them. <laughs> if you let them know, um, and that's the thing. Yeah, and it's just learning those techniques, like a pause. Mm-hmm. So you might get mind blank or lose your way, but pausing can help you still regain control over the situation and yourself and as you say just keep in mind what if they left with one thing one thing and when they leave this meeting or this this talk or presentation if i i'm just going to focus on one thing that i want them to feel when they leave because at the end of the day if you think back to all the probably amazing presentations and talks or maybe not so amazing presentations and talks that you've ever been to. Think about the one that you went to last month, maybe, or one in the last year. What do you remember from that? Now there's going to be one key idea, but essentially it's going to be an emotion or a feeling. Like you were, you were roused in some way. And as long as you can connect them to that and then you've got the data to back it up, then you've had a successful presentation. Mm. And, 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 and one thing that um, people often find challenging is where things are going well um, and then something happens. So it might be that somebody might challenge what they say or something may happen with their presentation that can throw them off track. Um, and, and as I'm saying this, I'm, I remember a few years ago, I, I did a, a, it was just a short singing course, just for the fun of it. Um, and at the end of it, it was a six week course, at the end of it, we had to do a stage performance. And I've never sung, the only people I've sung in front of is probably when I'm in the shower, that sort of thing. Um, <laughs> and we had to sing um, a performance, we had to invite friends and family along to this performance. And I was singing, it was a Roberta Flack song, the first time ever I saw your face, I'm Roberta Flack. And as I was singing, singing, something happened to the um, sound system, it cut out. And so there was no music. And I thought to myself, do I carry on or do I just stop? And do I carry on singing without no backing music? And I just carried on. I thought, well, I'll just carry on. I might make a mess of it, but I'll just carry on. And that's what I did. But some people, when they're in, on the, in the pressure, in that moment, in the meeting, and somebody may challenge something that they say, or something may happen to, they then sort of lose track and not their confidence. What would you suggest that they do about that? Oh, it's such a common thing, isn't it? Well, first of all, I'm going to throw a question back at you. How did you feel after you finished going kind of a cappella without the music? in a million years of imagining myself singing a cappella on a stage in front of people that's brilliant and 
the world didn't cave in I, I'm assuming no no the world <laughs> carried on <laughs> this is the thing um and it's it's what I was saying earlier about um kind of professional skills uh haven't had as much almost that creative input when you when you're or, or even scientific so in science and in in the creative arts um or anything creative, you have to explore, you have to fail in order to succeed. And the more failure you get, the better you get at something. And, and that's the, it's just the same as when you're presenting or speaking in a meeting and people, what would happen to you before a meeting if I said, you are going to be interrupted, you are going to be challenged, what would that do to the way you approached your presentation? Now, this is why I would always recommend that people have their, their kind of the targets mapped out. So in terms of knowing what points you need to include and what you need to hit, then if something does interrupt you, you're not pulled off your track because you can clearly see only four things you need to do in that meeting or conversation to get to your target point. Whereas if you're scripting out almost everything and you're thinking, but I didn't include it, <laughs> um, then it comes, it, it's so much harder to actually get back on track and feel that confidence because you feel flustered and your mind goes blank and suddenly your brain is thrown into this, uh, your fight or flight reaction. Because that's what's happening. Someone's challenging you, fear. Fear of criticism, fear of being put on the spot, of, of being um, embarrassed, of being um, mortified that potentially you might get something wrong. So the first thing I'd say is start to really open yourself up to the idea that you might fail. And that's okay. Because once you have that thought going, that's okay. It's okay if I don't know everything. It's okay if I need to go back and do it later. It's okay. And then that's what presence is. It's that power of knowing. You might not know now, but you will know later. And you can handle it if there's a bump in the road. And, and that's all it is. And I think that that is, is so crucial because it's often that fear of failure which is at the root of it all and and at the root of that fear of failure I find is often the fear of rejection yeah uh, and but like as you say if you, you, you know we, we we have to fail at things in life um and it's about how we manage that and as you say the more failures you have the easier it gets to pick yourself up it's about safe failure as well, isn't it? Because yeah. um, <laughs> like any fear or phobia, um, especially if you've got strong reactions, it's because you've had, um, you're, you're responding to a, a, something that happened to you a long time ago or a little while and you've still got this, this learned reaction to be scared. I, I have an, a tremendous um, uh, fear of spiders, which I know is ridiculous. I know they can't do anything to hurt me. I live in the southeast of England. I'm pretty sure I would be okay if I came across one, but my brain still reacts in that way. And I still remember as a child 
having one drop down on me. And that's why. Mm. Um, and, and it's very much the same as if you've had that, if you have had a dose of criticism or reaction, um, there was a study done a while ago on terms of feedback and the fact that we physiologically speaking get the same response um, to can the words, can I give you a bit of feedback um, as to hearing footsteps behind you? You know, your, your neck <laughs> kind of tingles and you can feel the hairs go going up on the back of your neck because it's, it's fear. Um, but, the, but when you start to really know that you can handle yourself it then it go it starts to go away and you build up this confidence it's very much like driving actually in that sense when you when you're first starting to learn to drive you're having to think about all the parts and all the things you have to do and you have to look and you have to listen and you have to mobilize the car and steer it and make sure you know you're not going to hit everything and it feels like so much that you're having to learn and then suddenly one day you you're doing it all and you're not even noticing it yeah. And it's very much the same with, with public speaking and presenting and speaking up. You suddenly, you've learned the techniques, you've tr you're trying and testing it in a safe space and a safe environment where it's okay if you fail, so that when the stakes are higher, you're ready, you're there, you can do it. Yes, and that is so true. And so in order to, just before we wrap up, um, what one piece of advice or what would be your top tip that you would give to the listeners who have that fear of speaking or they don't feel that they come across as confident? I think it's a process. Um, first of all, so step one, <laughs> step one, start to really think about what happens to you physically and in your mindset before you speak? What happens when you're about to speak up? What happens when you do a presentation? How do you feel? What happens in your body language? Does your adrenaline start pumping? Uh, do you feel like you just don't want to move at all? Do you feel like your voice is very flat and no one wants to listen to you? What's happening there? Because when you explore those thoughts, then you can challenge them and say, is that true? And that's all you need to ask is, is that true? The next is get to a point where you're comfortable practicing speaking. Now, if you're going to jump straight in, film yourself. It's really uncomfortable. <laughs> to watch yourself back or listen to yourself back on camera. But that is the best way is to be what I call productively critiquing. So instead of constructive criticism, productively critiquing is when you can say, oh, okay, that does sound a bit flat. How can I make that better? Uh, oh, my hands are they're waving around too fast. I'm over gesturing. Oh, I'm speaking too fast. I'm speaking too slow. It's only then that you're going to become really aware. But it's not easy. It's not easy to take that step to start really watching yourself. But once you do it, suddenly all you will see is how you can improve. And it's not going to be perfect. And that's okay. And those are great tips. Thank you very much, Alexandra. And so before we go, how can people 
find out more about you, get in touch with you. Sure. Um, so my, my company is called Speaking Ambition. So www.speakingambition.com. And yes, I run masterclasses on uh, public speaking and presenting and storytelling with data. And do come and come and find me there. Or you can find me on LinkedIn as well under Alexandra Bond Burnett. Right. Thank you very much, Alexandra. It's been lovely talking to you. You've given some really great tips and advice. Um, so for those of you listening in, do reach out to Alexandra and find out more about her and her work. And do share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. So thank you for listening in. This is the Quietly Visible podcast. And if you are wanting to increase your influence and impact, your confidence, then go to my website, aboundingsolutions.com, and you can take my free assessment to identify areas to develop. If you want to join one of my, my online groups, you can join the High Achieving Introverted Women Facebook group. Or if you are a senior leader, then you can join the LinkedIn group for High Achieving Introverted Senior Women. Thank you. And until next time, goodbye.